so glad that you came here uh, this morning. Thank you for, uh, for coming, and thanks for being willing to sacrifice some time to be with God's people and uh, to, to hear me uh, talk about the Word of God. My prayer is that uh, what you hear is, is from the Lord and that you would forget everything that is not. And so uh, this morning we are beginning a series called Divine Paradox, and um, I want you to know that uh, I, I hope that my excitement for this series comes across, um, and we'll see how, how that goes, but I'm, I, I couldn't be more excited about this because I believe that it has life-changing implications. I believe that it has Christianity as you know it and as we know it changing implications, I believe it's been in front of us all along, and yet we miss it all the time. I miss it. We miss it all the time. We miss the life-changing implications of the Word of God, and sometimes we superimpose over that. In fact, a lot of times I would say we superimpose over the Word of God what we think that it should say, and we, we make it say things that it does not say, and we misunderstand things, and then we gather into groups uh, according to our misunderstandings. And so what I want to invite you to do is that if you've come in here with an ideology behind what you believe the kingdom of God is, I want to ask you to do one thing, and that is to let the word of God speak for itself. Let the word of God be the thing that speaks for uh, what you believe about the kingdom of God. We've called it divine paradox because it is hard to understand. It is hard to understand. I ain't going to lie to you, all right? It is hard. It is a divine paradox. It's like, man, it's, it's now, and it's, it's, and, and, it's, and it's later, and, and like, how does that work, and, and what does that mean? And then, and then there's still more misunderstanding about how it all unfolds. Is, is the kingdom of God right now? Has it, has it occurred? Has it taken place? Is it just a, a, a state of spiritual being that we have? Like, I am the kingdom of God. Is the kingdom of God the church? Are we the kingdom of God? Is heaven the kingdom of God? Is heaven up there and is it the kingdom of God? When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, what's he talking about? What's he saying? Do we really know what it means or have we just assumed? I want to tell you, we've, we've most likely assumed, not all of us, but a lot of us have assumed what it means. Jesus tells his disciples to pray Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And do we know what that means? If Jesus tells us to pray this way, do, do I know what that means? And can I pray that with a gusto that says, God, I want, I want and when I don't really want it, I, I want to want your kingdom to come. I, I want this. Here's the reality. That all of us want kingdom-like things. Things that are like a, a, a kingdom. We all want something. We all want some of the same things. We want life to be better. We want people to not be mowed down on a sidewalk in, in, I believe it's London, just yesterday. We want, we want there not to be murder and crime 
and we want life to be better. We want people to be cared for. And we, and we want there to be health care, and we want there to be plenty of money, and we want there to be joy, and we want there to be happiness, and we want everybody to submit to some level of morality, whether it's our definition or the political party that I'm uh, associated with, whether it's uh, that definition. We want all of us to, to abide by one thing, and so the world is caught in this massive battle. And this massive battle is it is a struggle of kingdom proportion. Whose kingdom will win on a massive scale? We have kingdoms such as the United States and the United Kingdom. And we have other kingdoms like Syria and Iran and Russia. There's these massive kingdoms, but then there's little kingdoms. There's my kingdom and there's your kingdom. We call a man's house his castle. We, uh, we uh, uh, treat our lives and the people around us as though they are a part of our kingdom. And when they step out of line and they don't act in line with our rule and with our reign, we, we, that's when we get mad. You are not acting in accordance with what the king has decreed. It does not work well with my wife, right? It, she's, she never takes... Uh, takes to that. I, I don't understand why. Some of you give me counseling at some point. That would be perfect. But Our kingdoms are very real. And kingdoms are all around us. It's on a massive scale and it's on a minor scale. Jesus comes in and he brings a different kind of kingdom. He brings the real in the true kingdom. But here's the truth about many Christians today. Here's the truth. We want a savior. We want him to come save us. And it's true. We want him to save us from sin. And we want him to save us from, you know, our actions. The things that we've done wrong. The shame that we have. But we also want him to save us from the, the details of our life. Life is not going well. Right now, God, so I need you to fix me. And God can fix you. But too often what it, what it goes into is that God becomes my personal um, butler. God is butler. And so as, as Savior, we say, I want you to come save me from my foolish actions. I want you to make my life better. I want you to make things more comfortable for me. And so we like the idea of Jesus as Savior, but there's another thing, and that is that do we like him as king? See, Jesus can be your savior, and yet you can still not be submitting to him as king. You can say all that you want that Jesus is your savior, my Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. All the country artists say this at the award shows, right? But rarely do you hear someone say, Jesus Christ is my king. And I live under his rule and under his reign. Do you realize that your salvation is for the kingdom of God to live under his rule and his reign? And do you even understand what he's telling you to pray for? Because it's what we've always wanted, yet we never get it. It's what we've always wanted, but yet we, we oftentimes never get it because we have not submitted to the ruling and reigning king, the true king. 
of our souls. So I want to take you through the scripture, and I want to show you some things. And so this will all be up on the screen here. So where in scripture do we see this? I, I want to prove to you in this moment right here and right now that you may have missed something, that you may have missed something. John the Baptist comes on the scene, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, I, I want you to get ready. You need to do something for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Get ready, he tells them. Get ready. And what he says next is he, he, he says the kingdom of God, but he says, it's almost here. It's at hand. It's, it's, it's like it's right there. It's about to happen. It's here. And what you don't hear anyone saying is, what the stink is the kingdom of heaven, right? And the kingdom of heaven is the same as the kingdom of God. Matthew, uh, the gospel writer, would have been speaking to Jews, and so he's using kingdom of heaven. Jews would have had an issue with using the name of God. And so they would say kingdom of heaven instead of kingdom of God. Now when we talk about Greeks, Greeks would be fine with saying the name of God. And so essentially, they are the exact same thing. They are the exact same thing. Let me be clear. So John the Baptist comes on the scene. He's announcing that Jesus is about on the scene. And he says, you need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Get ready. It's almost here. What do we know about this? What we know is this, is that everybody thinks to themselves, now's the time? Oh my goodness, it's here. They've been waiting for it, and they've been waiting for it, and they've been waiting for it. It's been going on and on and on, and there's been prophecies, and these people are sick of waiting and waiting and waiting and being under this rule of this oppressive government, and they're just saying, when is the king going to come and rule and reign? When is he going to be here? And so John the Baptist comes on, and he says, you need to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's almost here. Get ready. So then, Jesus begins his earthly ministry. And the very first quotation that Matthew records from Jesus is this. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse uh, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what, what can we see from this? What John just said, Jesus just said. So now we have two people who are saying the exact same thing. And what is Matthew trying to show us? He's saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So then we go a little bit farther. You go uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 14, and it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God... And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what do you see from that? Is salvation primarily about saving you and me from hell? You think about the sweaty preachers who wear three-piece suits, like in the middle of summer, like out there preaching and like, you know drooling and saying, repent, ah! And they're saying, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Is salvation primarily about saving you from hell? 
Is it, is it just that? Oftentimes, conservative churches stress the nature of salvation as being, listen, you don't want to go to hell, do you? So you need salvation, so you should go to Jesus. So they're stressing the salvation aspect of not going to hell and going to heaven. Now go to the other side and say, so then you have these uh, more left-leaning, I guess I realize I'm on the right right now, but it's your left, and so there are left-leaning churches who are more liberal And what do they say? It's all about the kingdom, and it's all about social justice. So the kingdom means social justice, so we need to make our community better because we are the ones who are creating the kingdom. We're going to make this place better. We're going to finally bring it to its fulfillment. So you have these two sides. So is it... Is Jesus going to the cross primarily about saving me from hell, or is it, is it a different message about the kingdom? So which one is it? People say, you know what, I just want to read Jesus' words. They, they call themselves red-letter Christians. I just want to read Jesus' words. That's all I care about. Be careful when you hear that. That's a problem. I just want to read Jesus' words. I just want to hear what he has to say. And so I'm going to live by Jesus' words, and I'm not going to ready, worry about all that other stuff. But here's the problem. They both go together. And that's what we just saw here in Mark. It says this, that now, John was, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. We're talking about the gospel, what's primarily understood about saving me from hell and into heaven. He says, and saying, the time is fulfilled. It's no longer just at hand. The time is now. It's here. It's no longer just at hand. It's now a reality. And now the waiting kingdom has come to fruition. And now they are here and they are ready. And it's about to take place. And he says, repent and believe the gospel. So now we have John the Baptist. You have uh, Matthew. You have Jesus. And now you have Mark. And they're all saying the exact same thing. So then you come to Jesus in Luke chapter uh, 4, verse 21. And it says this, after he read uh, Isaiah's prophecy about the kingdom, he says, and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What do we know about this? What is it saying? It's saying, my kingdom is now. I am the one who's bringing the kingdom to fruition. It is now. It's taking place here and now. It is happening. It's been fulfilled. That prophecy is complete in your hearing. The kingdom is here right now. Jesus had one big idea, and that was the kingdom of God. Jesus' main message was teaching about the kingdom of God. That was the content of of his message, okay? You go to his manifesto, or what is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's just inside of, of Matthew, and it's basically Jesus saying, this is what's gonna define my ministry. This is what defines the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter five, verse two. He says, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on, Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, still in the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What do you th- what's Jesus saying here? He's saying, I have one message. That message is that I have fulfilled the kingdom. It is here and it is now. And it means something to Jewish people, but does it mean something to you? Is Jesus your Savior or is Jesus your King? Then we see him speaking to other, other people, one-on-one, in one-on-one conversations. So he says this to everybody. So what does he say to other people? Nicodemus comes to, to Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 3. And he says, you know, good teacher, we know that you're from God because no one can do the works that you do unless he is from God. And Jesus answers him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Think about this. Somebody comes to him and says, man, I see that you are somebody who is from God. I see that you're, there's this divine nature that you have because I see the works that are coming from your life. And Jesus' immediate response is this. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. Look at what Jesus just did. He just connected born again. What we often associate with what the media uses is born again Christians. They're at it again. They're going to, you know, whatever. And so, but you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. What did Jesus just do? He said they go together. They go together. They're a part of one. Now, what does it mean for your life? I'm not going to tell you yet. All right. This entire sermon is going to be like that. It's going to be very frustrating. So, The rich young ruler, Luke 18, verse 24, Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus' one message is about the kingdom of God. To an unnamed disciple, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus, through the parables, All of his parables, Matthew 13 and Matthew chapter 13, are all about the kingdom of God. It's like a sower in a field or a a, a farmer. It's like weeds in, in a field. It's a mustard seed. It's leaven. It's buried treasure. It's a pearl of great value or a pearl of great price. It's a fishing net. Jesus had one thing that he was teaching. Don't you think we ought to know it? One thing, one big idea. Jesus teaches his disciples to have this same big idea when he sends the 12, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 2. I hope you're listening because this is important. And he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim what? The kingdom of God and to heal. Luke 9, verse 6 says this, and they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. What does Luke 
believe. Luke believes that the preaching of the kingdom of God is the preaching of the gospel. Guess what? The, the, the gospel and the kingdom of God are the same thing. Jesus sends the 72, and he tells them, Luke chapter 10, verse 8, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it. Say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Do you see what's happening? As the kingdom of God is is going out, what's taking place? People are being healed. Stuff is happening. Things are changing. People, people, like, they're, they're, they're being helped. What's, what's associated with being a born-again Christian, what's associated with it is the kingdom of God. In fact, it is the kingdom of God. You can't see the kingdom of God without being born again. And what comes with the kingdom of God is change. Even among the people that do not buy into the idea of God's kingdom and his work and his reign in our lives. In Matthew 25, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to ten ten virgins, faithful servants, and sheep. The Last Supper looks forward to the kingdom of God. Jesus says in Matthew 26, verse 29, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So then... What we see is we see, okay, here's Jesus' message in the Gospels. And as we're looking through the Gospels, the reason why I just showed you all of that is Jesus had one message. It was the kingdom of God. He taught all about it in every way, told people one-on-one, told his disciples to talk about it. He told them what to do. It was all about the kingdom of God. Then, does that get carried on into the book of Acts, which is a history of the church. Is that the same theme? Do we still see that? Acts chapter 1, 1 through 3. And this is Luke writing to someone named Theophilus. So Luke says, in the first book, which is the book of Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. That's the last thing that Jesus is saying. I'm going to tell you about the kingdom of God. Like, listen, you need to know about the kingdom of God. I'm about to leave. Here's the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. I'm telling you about the kingdom of God. Do you think he wants us to know about the kingdom of God? And what are we talking about? If you're born again, you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to go to hell. But Jesus had so much more to his message. Jesus had life-changing implications that came along with it. Is Jesus your Savior or is he your King? Is he just your Savior? And if he is, praise Jesus because he is King. That's why he can save you. But do you recognize him as King? So Jesus is talking to them for 40 days about speaking about the kingdom of God. And what does he tell them during those 40 days about his kingdom? 
So Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20 is what we call the Great Commission. So this is Jesus now um, during those 40 days, and it says in verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, Jesus' teaching is on the kingdom. This great commission is about his kingdom. So what's involved in the kingdom of God is not simply just social justice for social justice sake. But it is, yes, proselytizing, evangelizing, telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom and teaching them to obey. Not just saying, okay, be a Christian and you're saved from hell, but no, teaching them to obey. How do you know that you have a disciple? You have a disciple when somebody says or somebody does and somebody acts like in a way that is consistent with the Sermon on the Mount. Because Jesus says, this is what my kingdom is like. This is a picture of it. Look at me. I am fulfilling this kingdom. Look at me. What is a disciple? A disciple is somebody who knows what it means to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They want that and they act in obedience towards that end. It is not somebody who says, I'm an occasional church attender who rarely does what God asked me to do and I'm a pretty good person, and he should accept me, and it is somebody who says, Jesus was about his kingdom, therefore I am about his kingdom. The life-altering implications of this are amazing. They're amazing. The disciples still misunderstand what the kingdom is. So as, after uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, Jesus, Jesus, he's speaking to them about the kingdom of God, and it says in verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And I, if you can imagine the frustration of Jesus going, uh, uh, um, holy cow, I just spent three years with you doing ministry, teaching you what the kingdom of God looks like, and you still think, I'm going to pull out an Uzi and shoot everybody? Like, what in the world is going on? But that's our problem. God, your kingdom come. Let's take this thing over. Let's knock this baby down. Let's knock him out. Jesus is essentially saying, it is, that is not what I'm doing. Haven't you seen anything? Haven't you seen who I am? That is not the heart of God. That comes later. The heart of God is grace and mercy in this period. He's not coming with a sword yet. 
It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Witnesses for what? For his one message, his one thing. It's not just salvation that saves you from hell. It's salvation that saves you to a kingdom that he is ruling and reigning over. We are to be witnesses of the kingdom of God. We are to come into a town and into a city and into our work and into our family. And we are to, there should be a mindset that says, I want the kingdom of God to come near these people. I want them to see what it might be like. I want them to know and understand. I'm praying for legitimate healing in their life. But I'm also bringing healing to the relationships. And when people impugn me, I come back at them with love and mercy and grace. I bring the kingdom of God. Because that's what Jesus did. He showed us the kingdom of God. He taught us about the kingdom of God. And so we are to be witnesses in our place, in our time, right here and right now. Because the kingdom of God has come. Philip teaches about the kingdom of God. Acts 8, chapter 17, some disciples arrested. uh, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 17, uh, verses 5 through 7. Some disciples are arrested for teaching about the kingdom of God. It says, uh, and they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. When you come into your world and you say there's another king other than money, sex, and power, There's another king other than the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or the Libertarian Party or whatever party you're a part of. There is another king other than social media. There is another king other than whatever, fill in the blank. There is another king. People get upset and you say, no, that's my king. That's that's the king that I want. That's what I've chosen. Or I'm king. And people always get upset because you're always taking a shot at their king. But the the Christian is someone who's testifying to the kingdom of God. He is king and his domain is me and this world. He's ruling and he is reigning over me. Do you submit to him as king? Paul teaches about the kingdom of God. Acts 19. And he entered the synagogue for three months, spoke, uh, uh, spoke boldly reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Paul, the guy who we get the Romans road from, that tells us just about salvation by faith, uh, by, by grace through faith, and conveniently leave out anything about the kingdom and, and the, the changed life and the changed society and the changed world that we're to be witnessing to. I'm not criticizing that message. I'm saying it's incomplete. It's incomplete. He's talking about the kingdom of God. That's what Paul was doing. Paul was speaking to the Ephesian elders in chapter 20, verse 25. And now behold, I know that none of you uh, uh, among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom of God will see my face again. Paul in Rome testifying to the kingdom of God. The the way that Acts, 
The book of Acts ends, it says in verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Do you see what he just said there? I'm talking about the kingdom of God and how that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I hope what you've just seen is that you may only have part of the gospel. And maybe you have, maybe you have this already, and praise God for that. I'm, that's, that's awesome. How do we enter it? How do, we, how do we enter? First, we need to know what it is, and I've been explaining that from the beginning. The kingdom of God is, now listen, the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign and the dominion of God. The kingdom of God is his rule and his reign over all things. Now, why is that important? Well, it says this in Matthew chapter uh, 7. Did I almost say Matthew chapter pheasant? Um, (laughs) That was weird. Okay. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not their scribes. This is amazing. This guy's teaching me. Like he, not only does he believe what he's saying, but he expects me to follow. He's teaching somebody who says, I, this, he's, not, he's not saying, this is what I kind of think it means. He's saying, this is what it means and this is what you should do. This is what it means and this is what you should do. And then you look at uh, chapter 8, verse Two of Matthew, and it's, it's immediately after the Sermon on the Mount, and this is what's so strange. It says this, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. What's Matthew showing us? This is what the kingdom of God looks like. It comes with authority. But it's not just authority from this God who is over top of you saying, "Ah." it's a God who says, will you let me heal you? Will you let me heal you? And I don't feel like I'm I'm broken. Can you really heal me? No, that's that's not what the leper said. The leper said, If you will, you can heal me. And Jesus says, I will, and I I can, and I will. What does the leper recognize? I'm broken. I'm sick. I got limbs falling off. I'm, I'm in deep need of healing. I'm in deep need of healing. What happens next after this? Chapter 8, verse 5. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, Jesus says to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under 
authority. Look at the word authority. He's teaching as, as someone who has authority. And then Jesus has the authority, and the leper recognizes it. And he has the authority to heal, and he does. And then the centurion says, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, no, yeah, no I'm going to come to him. And he says, no, I recognize your authority. I, too, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. I'm a big shot. I got lots of people that answer to me. Everyone answers to me. The, my authority is a reflection of your authority, he's saying. And he, and he says this. When Jesus heard this, he marveled, and he said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. When Jesus himself, God in the flesh, says, dang, dude, snap, that's some incredible faith. Did you guys see this? He's a Roman centurion. Woo! That guy... He knows what's up. He says, I tell you, many will come from the east and the west. What's he saying there? There's going to be a bunch of people who aren't from Israel. Remember, Israel's the only one who really understands kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, that type of stuff. They're the one who understand the whole Jesus thing in a sense, even though they totally misunderstand. That's why they killed him. But what Jesus is saying, like all of these people are going to come from these other nations, the east and the west, and they're going to come... And they're going to recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. There's a bunch of people who don't belong that are going to belong. Like this guy. Just like this guy. Like this guy, he recognizes Jesus' authority. And Jesus says, man, that's some incredible faith. And he says, while the sons of the kingdom, these are people from Israel. He's saying the sons of the kingdom the people who are ethnically Israel, the people who are from uh, the Jews. He's saying the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. The kingdom is about God's authority to rule and to reign over all things. His rule and his reign is an offer to you. It's an invitation to you. And Jesus is saying, seriously, you've jacked it up long enough, right? Like your life, like look at the way that the world is going. Is, are you really making this better? He might be saying that. The invitation is, my son, my daughter, will you let me heal you? Will you let me heal you? And our response to his invitation has to be repentance. The repentance comes in this, that I have not been praying, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My prayer has been, 
God, will you come and make my kingdom better? Will you fix up my life? Will you get me more money for rent? Will you make me happy? Will you give me the things that I want? Will you give me my desires? And so we're saying, God, my kingdom come. My will be done. I will be king. You will live under my rule and my reign as long as I say that you're my God. And so on one hand, we say, you know, I've got a savior, but I don't have a king because I'm the king. I'm the one who's in charge. So the only person that can pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done, is someone who has repented and said, it's no longer about my kingdom. I've jacked it up long enough and I want to receive your offer to heal me. Jesus says, will you let me heal you? That is the offer of the kingdom of God. And it is not just an offer just to you for salvation, but it is an offer to you and to me to bring about change in our lives, in our city, in in our families, in our workplaces. And we come in and we bring the kingdom of God near. And we heal. We pray for we do whatever God is calling us to do. The rejection of God's authority leads to disorder and chaos. I do not even need to show you or tell you about that. It is all over the news. It's all over your life and it's all over my life. The rejection of God's authority brings disorder and chaos. Will you live under his rule and his reign and say, you are my king? Or will you continue to masquerade as a Christian who says he's my savior, but I have not made him my king? It is a free offer to those who have never even heard it. The free offer is this. Jesus went to the cross to save you so that you could be a part of his kingdom. Will you let him rule in your life and therefore heal you? The offer is free to anyone who would believe. The offer is free to the person in here who feels like they are the worst sinner, like they've jacked things up the most. The offer is free, and it is for anybody who has come in here thinking that they are the best and like they they don't have any problems. They need to understand that their perceived identity and things not going wrong is really rooted in their own kingship. Will you let them heal you? Repentance is the way. Repent to God of your desire to be king and say, I want you as my king. Let's pray. Lord, the only thing I, I can say right now is let it be so. I'm praying that for everyone in this room, that they would see your words, 
that your spirit would, would call them, that your spirit would convict them and show them how they've tried to be their own king and admit that you are the real king. May your church wake up. May your church leaders wake up so that we can pray together that your kingdom would be established here and now in all the ways that you want it to. We know that it already is. And that's it. it's about us revealing it to our city, that we'd be witnesses to who you are. May it be so. Lord Jesus, I pray that, you'd, that you would truly break our hearts. Lord, I pray, I'm praying for the, the hardened heart of, of us Christians. That we, We've just been Christians for so long, and Lord, all we've cared about is salvation by faith. And we haven't cared about our city. We haven't cared about your kingdom. And in reality, we haven't really made you king. We've been arguing about theology instead of proclaiming you as king. May it stop. Or would you till the hearts of us who have been in the faith for a while and we know the drill and we know how this goes. God, convict us. Change us. Change me. Right here and right now. That's our prayer.